All right, Money Mythbusters, episode 11. Live to you on all our platforms here uh, from Diversified Capital. I'm Alfred. We got Nate joining us today. Nate, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Alfred? Doing well, doing well. We're excited to get into this topic. It's a uh, topic that's, I think, near and dear to our hearts. Uh, maybe a little bit more serious note to it today, but it's something that we're really passionate about and we're excited to share with you. So let me start off. The myth being that the American dream is equally available to all, okay? Let that sit for a second, right? Because again, it's a, a topic that we have internally generated a lot of thoughts and open conversation with our team members on. Uh, and I'm gonna expand on that more in just a second. But to start, of course, our disclaimers to say that, right? What we talk about today is from a financial education purpose only, right? Of course, because we don't know your specific uh, personal financial backgrounds, we are not providing specific financial advice to you guys. From a tax perspective, of course, anything that we talk about from a, a tax point of view is from an education perspective, a learning perspective. And if you have specific questions uh, that you need to address, uh, that's something that you will want to take to your tax preparers or speak with us individually about that. And finally, from an investment perspective, if we dive into talking about investments, it's no uh, uh, you know, solicitation whatsoever about buying certain investment products. It's really more about learning about that, that investment uh, 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 topic in general itself, okay? So let's get started, right? The idea of you know, equality behind the financial, or sorry, the American dream, that it's equally available to all. Look, I think we all know that at least as of right now, and it's been this way for a while, that the, the, the income gap, the, the wealth gap has been growing in America, okay? And it's something that we look at very seriously and say, why, okay? And why is that the case? I'm not saying that we have the solutions for it, but I think it's important to have the conversations and understanding the reasons behind it, even if it's just to better ourselves, to better the way that we treat people, to better the way that we perceive our business and how we grow it, okay? And I think it's one of the main reasons we made our name change. So as most of you know, that's been following our series, we went from Compass Capital Management Group to Diversify, okay? And for me, Diversify uh, is a way to say that we want to diversify the group of individuals, the households, the, the, the people that we meet, that we provide advice to, to be of a wider income background. Okay, look, I think we're also part of the problem. I mean, wealth management, financial planning tends to be tailored towards, right, the wealthier individuals, but it doesn't mean by no means that, right, those are the only people that need financial advice. And we'll talk about that and, and as well, right? But that's part of the problem. That's the start of the problem that financial advice in general is too difficult to get for just the general American, the general student coming out of college, someone having their first job. That's where you build, right? The foundation to have financial success. Yet our advice, our industry has been made it very difficult to do that. Now I'm not gonna go into why that that's the case and all of that, but I think that's a, a given that it's very hard to get financial advice. And that's why we've been, Nate and I have been doing these Money Mythbusters series, right? To, to open up these topics uh, to, to more people. Now. We also have to ask the question, and I'll turn it over to Nate in one second. Is it just the barriers of entry that make it difficult, or is it deeper than that, right? Is there a, a 
racial issue that is behind it. And we certainly believe that's the case. And I think what the pandemic has taught us is to have open conversations about racial inequalities, okay? That it's, you know, it's out there, it's real, right? Let's not hide behind it and talk about why that's the case. For us today, talking about how those racial inequalities affect financial picture, because again, the finance side is what we're good at. Um, and this is something that we're all learning about, but it's more than just learning. It's about how we're gonna take action. It's about taking it a step further and, and doing our part. And so the first step is, we call it a myth, right? right? We call it a myth in, in itself that, that there has to be some data behind it to show us why we believe so strongly. So Nate, tell us a little bit about just the national financial statistics about someone's financial picture as they build this up. And then also like, what are you seeing in terms of the racial inequalities behind someone's background and what's driving some of this? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you definitely hear the wealth gap widening this year. And uh, let me just throw this statistic at you. So a Goldman Sachs study revealed prior to the pandemic that the top 1% of wealth in this country actually owned 50% of the stock market holdings. That's a massive misrepresentation of wealth. Now, the flip side of that is everyone else's ownership stake has been improving. We went from 30% ownership stake in the 1980s to about 50% through the 2010s. So it's getting better, but that's still a massive disconnect, right? Especially as you think about what happened in 2020. We're looking at a lot of the stock market hitting all-time highs, and yet we just this week finally got below 10% unemployment. That's scary. Uh, and this doesn't even speak to some of the even more basic issues that we're seeing on a national scale. So uh, a few more statistics to throw at you. Two thirds of Americans would struggle to scrounge up $1,000 in an emergency situation. Again, this was pre-COVID. Uh, beyond that, 20% of Americans don't save any of their annual income. Uh, for those people that are carrying credit card debt, on average, they pay just under $1,000 a year on credit card interest alone. When you look at people's credit, 35% of adults with a credit file have a debt in collections at this moment. Uh, two more I'll throw at you. Americans paid more than a billion dollars in checking account maintenance fees just to the top five banks alone in the United States in 2018. And as of uh, 2019, there's approximately $49.5 billion of unclaimed property. So if you've never done an unclaimed property search, please go on to your state controller website to do that unclaimed search and collect that money. $49.5 billion uncollected is pretty crazy. What I think more telling is, is the ability to just scrounge up basic emergency yeah. savings. That's the one that really stood out at me. $1,000, I mean, we're fortunate enough here in Silicon Valley Bay Area to look at that and say, oh, that's not a problem. But that's not true for them, for two thirds of Americans. That's, that's terrifying. And again, that was a pre-COVID number. So no wonder the federal government's having to provide so much stimulus to our economy this year. Yeah. But guess what? All that stimulus, a lot of that's also going to the stock market in the form of gains. And so that first statistic I threw at you, 
about Goldman Sachs and the 1% owning 50%, yeah, the wealth gap is getting wider and wider. And that's just everybody, not even talking about racial issues yet. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was pretty disturbing to see. And you know what? I mean, and it goes back to the idea. And and look, I've had friends and, and this, again, I'm talking more personally. We've had friends who know we're financial planners and their comment to us is, I don't have enough money to talk to you guys. And and that can't be farther from the truth. Right. And, 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 you know, that there's still, of course, uh, you know, a, a perception that you need to have $500,000 to be worth it to talk to a financial planner. And I think for me, it's, it's, you know, part of that barrier that we're trying to break down. Right. And, and, and part of another meaning of our name, right. Diversify short for DeFi, define really what it means to have a planner. Okay. And, and, Part of today is going to show you guys that, you know, as we looked at our service offerings, right, we also recognize that there was a baseline fee that might be a barrier for even most to enter, even though that fee is a lot lower than many financial planners out there, it was still a little too high for us. And one of the things that we talked about was the ability to say, hey, are we going to be in a situation where we can provide a more general uh, approach to to financial planning and education. Webinars are one, but they're not individualized, right? These uh, money mythbuster streams are definitely others. But we're gonna talk to you guys a little bit later about an additional tier that we're adding based off of somebody's income and some of the other things that we think we're doing. And we hope that you guys can all join us in helping uh, us do that. How we're giving back to to the community from a financial standpoint to giving that advice. Nate, the other point I think is also very, very near to us, which is some of the systemic inequalities, the racial inequalities that we're seeing. And again, this is something we're still, because of COVID, because, or sorry, because of the pandemic, that drove up, I think, a lot of like people saying this is affecting everyone equally. And, and you looked at that and it wasn't, right? And then all of a sudden, other issues about inequalities started to surface. And we looked at it as saying, like, where does the financial side come in, right? Like, is this affecting people on the financial side? And I think there were some really cool statistics that really highlighted the issue that, that I think you should share with, with the audience as well. Yeah, yeah, I think we obviously wanna be sensitive to the situation, um, but some statistics that we found. So I'm gonna cite the sources on these ones to be careful here. So Ed Bill did a, did a research study that found that non-white school districts get $23 billion a year less versus white schools for funding, despite serving the same number of students. Now, yes, property taxes do go towards public education. That is a big source of that. And so the higher the property value, the more taxes that schools will get for those areas, but still $23 billion a year less in funding. Mm. That's a That's just, out of the gate. I mean, someone's already behind the eight ball just through K through 12. But then as they, you know, matric matriculate, they go through, you know, K through 12, they go through high school. Let's look at some of the, you know, higher end academic high schoolers. Those high schoolers that have a three and a half uh, point GPA, 22% uh, uh, non-Hispanic whites end up going to a junior college first. Not bad but that number grows to over 30% for African-Americans and for Hispanics and Latinos. So immediately they're having to have their best students go to more of the more affordable colleges just to get 
into that next level of education. Uh, degree rates for students with a SAT score of over 1200. The degree rates for non-Hispanic whites is 77% versus 57% for African-Americans and, uh, and Hispanic and Latinos. 20% difference for the same scores. Again, mm -hmm. both of those numbers coming from a Georgetown study. Uh, the overall bachelor's are higher percentage for non-Hispanic uh, whites is 38%. For the entire population, it's 34. So you know, they're doing better than the general population, but that number shrinks to only 24% for African-Americans, 17% for Hispanic and Latinos. So uh, that one coming out of the American Council on Education. And again, I wanna highlight that it's not just African-Americans that are being left behind. It is also the Hispanic and Latino communities too. So I, I'm absolutely behind you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, but I also want to recognize some of the other minorities that are having issues here. Now, of course, with the education being an issue, that's gonna to lead to net worth and income and further struggle as adults. So the average income for non-Hispanic white families is $68,000. Uh, for African-Americans, it's $40,258. For Hispanic and Latinos, it's a little better, 50,486 against, this is coming out of the Census Bureau. Uh, the national average being 61,000. So again, African-Americans and Latinos are below that national average. Now, of course, with incomes being lower, net worth is also going to be lower. So this average is what net worth me the most. His, What's that? This is what surprised me the most, I think, in the numbers. Huge difference. Yeah. So non-Hispanic whites, uh, $171,000 is the median net worth across America. Uh, all populations, it's just shy of $100,000. Uh, when we talk about the African-American community, it's a tenth of the white population. We're looking at $17,150 being the average net worth for African-Americans, $20,720 for Hispanics and Latinos. So dramatically farther behind on the net worth scale. Again, that one's coming out of the Brookings Institute. Two more to share with you. Uh, of course, with all of these income issues, then home ownership is going to become an issue too. So home ownership rates as of the end of 2019 by Redfin National average being 64%, non-Hispanic whites at 73%, which is very solid. African-Americans down at 40.6%, Hispanic and Latinos at 46.6. So quite a ways behind the national average there again. And then this one's kind of the saddest of them all, and that's the mortgage denial rate. Uh, this one coming out of LendingTree. National average is just shy of 10% of all mortgages do get denied, mostly coming out of debt to income ratio issues. For non-Hispanic whites, that's lower. That's just shy of 8%. For African-Americans, it's 17.4%. And Hispanic and Latinos, 13.1%. So again, if we're having uh, these population sets already behind the eight ball with K through 12, struggling to get into the better colleges, therefore struggling to get into the better income earning jobs, of course, they're going to have net worth and homeownership issues. But is that fair? Yeah. Should we really be allowing that population set to be so far behind? Uh, we don't have an answer for that, but again, it's something that we need to start that conversation on. Yeah, I and 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 look, you know, it's 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 about that conversation, but it's about us learning, and hopefully, you guys are learning watching from this, right? And and we're open to also hearing feedback and saying, what are we missing? What are like this is something that we've you know, really scratch the surface and beginning to dive down on, but realizing that 
we're going to try to do what we can to as a company as individuals to take action on it and 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 give back wherever we can from that perspective so you know the the actions that we're taking as a company is creating a service tier for from our perspective that's income based based off of where your income is right starting at the poverty line incomes that you know at, at four times the poverty line if you're below that four times the poverty line you get access to this income based approach where we're helping provide guidance for a a drastically reduced uh, uh, fee structure okay something that should be able to fit into to to the budget and should be something that we feel if you utilize it we can help better your picture you have a sounding board because i think it becomes a snowball, right, Nate? Like if, if I have these financial questions that can't get answered, I think this is a good decision at which ends up turning into a bad decision. You just get further and further behind. And if someone's in that situation, how do you feel like there's hope, right? To get back out of it, right? And so if there's the one thing that we can do is, is to provide a little bit of that hope that there is uh, someone you can rely on, right? That's what we want to do. And we'll outline more of that um, you know, uh, in the future going forward as we're, we're launching this and give you guys a website to review. But the other parts that we've reached out to a lot of our circle and people and saying, you know, what more can we do? Like what, uh, uh, you know, communities and, and, and other people that I think are, are, have already been way ahead of us in thinking about this and, and actually uh, helping different groups uh, the black community to be able to the African-American community to be able to say, I want to focus on these guys to be saying, where can I provide more of that financial help, right? Volunteer work. So we have reached out and, and worked on that. And we hope to continue that. We hope that those who are watching us would join us on that and support us on that. Because again, as a company, uh, especially internally, our group has, it's been a huge topic about what more can we do? And it's again, Nate mentioned it's 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 the non-Hispanic whites versus right. You have the other groups where it's not just right the African American community. It's also the Hispanic and the Latino community, and it's 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 all those that we still feel are attributing to why the wage gap is widening still, and trying to do our part to help with that. Right, trying to do our part to help with that. And so, you know, uh, it's not the. Uh, final time I hope that we're going to be talking about this. In fact, I think this is hopefully the beginning of something different, right? Uh, beginning for something for our company um, that is under uh, an idea that we care. We care about the community. Our team really has a passion to want to be able to, to help with this. Um, and so we're open to any suggestions, but know that internally there's actions that we're taking to be able to provide a more diversified uh, or, or uh, provide support to a more diversified uh, background of income, right? That, that we're not just supporting a certain sector. Um, and that's certainly very key to us. Right. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, anything else to be adding here uh, in terms of uh, 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 what we wanted to convey today, Nate? No, I think it was just sort of uh, bringing this to everyone's attention. Uh, just starting the conversation. And like you said, this is hopefully just the beginning of the conversation. We have lots of work set in front of us to do, and we hope to be a big part of uh, hopefully turning around that, that widening wealth gap. Yeah. I mean, every bit helps, right? And, you know, just because it's a huge problem doesn't mean we can't do something to help with it. And um, exactly. we're certainly going to be doing our part at Diversify. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Well, next episode that we're going to be talking about uh, is going to be something where uh, gets back to again investing, and you'll see that later. I'm not going to actually you know talk about it right now. I don't want to take away from the moment and what we're we're driving at, but you'll see it posted. Our team will post about our next topic on episode 12, and we guys hope you guys continue to follow and uh, um, you know uh, keep catching our content here on Money Mythbusters. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much.